Hey y'all, this is a preview to the latest premium subscriber only episode to Champagne Sharks. So what you're hearing is a small clip of a longer episode that is available over on patreon.com forward slash Champagne Sharks. And it's available to premium subscribers who pay $5 a month. And if you want to hear the rest of the episode, go over to patreon.com forward slash Champagne Sharks and subscribe for only $5 a month. You get not only access to this episode in its entirety, but to the whole backlog of premium episodes, which at this point, over 100 episodes at this point. So it's a great deal. So without further ado, here is the preview. And I hope we. See you on the other side at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks, where you can hear the rest. I would like to read real quick the pillars of black theater versus the pillar of African-American theater um, in your article. And if at any point you want to jump in to expand on something or M2, you want to um, ask mm-hmm. a question, like, feel free. You don't have to like stay quiet through this. But uh, you describe black theater as one black theater must be taken from the culture and cultural practices of black life. Its aim must be to further enhance the behavior, practices, and beliefs of black people. Black theater is in the process of search, this is number two, black theater is in the process of searching for the truth as opposed to restating a fact. Black people have it hard in America. That is a piece of data, but not something to build a drama around. As W.E.B. Du Bois said, truth is not merely an abstraction. It is a functional tool used to set the world right. Black plays do not resolve themselves conventionally. They end up by opening, they end by opening to new possibilities. Characters and situations do not wrap up neatly in quote-unquote closure. They open to new roads. Like Harold Loomis in August Wilson's Joe, Joe Turner's Come and Gone, characters exit the world shining like new money, walking a new path of different possibilities. You know, I want to say, I, mm-hmm. I also really appreciate number three, because one thing that black narrative art, and I'm sure Professor Taylor will, will I have a feeling you can agree, we're often accused of not having um, resolutions in our pieces. You, you, you chuckle, I knew you were going to say that. And I always say, but black life is not resolved. We are in a constant state of mm-hmm. trying to find new directions. So I really appreciated that because that's something that is always a fight with black well, yeah, art. Yeah, um, they want a denouement in a traditional a kind of like structural closure, which isn't part of black life. And actually, it's funny when you mention cinema, that often is a critique of some foreign cinema. That used to be the... Used totally. to be a critique of French cinema in the seventies and eighties. People were like it yep. falls off a table; yep. it doesn't right. close itself. I'm like, because life is right. Iranian cinema today. People are like, oh, how come I don't have a denouement? It's like because Iranian culture yeah. is different than what you think. It's 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 a trip though, but it's mm-hmm. it's real though. It's real in Black life, I think always. Yeah. Number four. Traditional conflict is eschewed in black theater. There is no standard protagonist slash antagonist dialectic in such work. Instead, the plays use tension, often through the building and release of pressures placed on collectives and social systems as a substitute for plot. Consider A Raisin in the Sun by Lorraine Hansberry or Four Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow is Enough by 
Yotsuzaki Shenge, I don't know if I pronounced her name right. Both plays are driven by tension, and they track how strain is navigated by their characters. I love I, that one also. Yeah, I love that one too because I feel like um, a lot of these new black uh, creators don't really have relationship to the black collective except to view them as people who bullied or oppressed them or that they're embarrassed or that they're embarrassed of. So they kind of have yeah. a hostility to the collective um, rather than a real feeling Oof. like a real part of it. Like the That's spokespeople so real, for yeah, and I get kind of tired of it um, where, you know, I got to see black artists who uh, think that their message is to tell white people how bad other black people were to them. You know, you know, that is something that I find but I, annoying. But I don't understand how black people get to be themselves. And a lot of times they they act like they don't. You know, my grandmother used to joke with me. You know, you ain't the first black man to read like you come from people with stuff. <laughs> you don't you don't show up out of the blue. And your mama and your daddy, and maybe they're from a different country or something else, but they gave you so much stuff. I don't understand how these people think that their job is to say, I'm standing alone and black people were mean to me. And if it wasn't for, you know, I don't know, some great white author or some great white teacher, I would not be where I am. I'm like, that's... Or or, I, co- or comic books or the school yeah. that I was bused to with white people. Yeah, I have to wonder, like, is this a, a sign of people becoming more like white people in a certain way mentally because that's such a western thought to be so singular in your existence i became this as an individual is i'm i don't know if i totally believe what i'm what i'm saying right now but i have to wonder if this is a sign that our thinking is becoming more into the regular mainstream american i'm telling you i'm reading the book uh right now and I really think that's a book that a lot of people should read because it really kind of breaks down Western versus, um, you know, black thinking. And I really think that, that there is something to that. I'll go a darker place. I feel like all this new black suicide, I yeah. feel like is the flip side of that. Because part of the thing is everything is about the individual that when you fail and you fail as an individual, it's like, that's a very individualistic solution. Uh, totally. suicide, suicide. You know, it's like, hey, I'm a failure. I've Now I'm going to wipe myself off and forget about what it's going to do to everybody um, around me. Like, like, if I can't be like the hero of my epic, then I'm going to be the, the fallen, uh, the, the tragic. tragic figure. Yeah. Yeah. And I see all this rise in... Uh, black suicide and it's a lot of times you see like these kids who are kind of like in, the, in assimilated environments and it's like i i feel like people don't really want to uh say that but i think that's, i'm not saying that uh black suicide didn't happen before in authentically black environments but something about the narrative behind it it'll be someone like you know i was bullied by these people online this black kid that committed suicide and that wasn't really like a black thing to do like to get taunted and you commit like people used to taunt you all the time like that was just they just treat it as thickening your skin and i think um it ties into what you're saying but you know the interesting thing about this is not about black suicide but it's connection to the community i've read um eugene robinson's book disintegration in which there are he breaks people into these four different categories um the black Mm -hmm. community there's the transcendent people barack obama oprah winfrey michael jordan the working class people immigrants and then he says the forgotten class of black people. And he said, one of the things interesting about the working class people is they really don't want to be included with the forgotten or the abandoned. He called them the abandoned people, the abandoned people. Those are people. And I was like, this is kind of interesting to figure out how you separate yourself. And then the transcended people, theoretically, race is not a primary concern, which is ridiculous, as we know, you know, for those people who are above in certain social economic spaces, you know, 
and it's weird when you talk yeah, about uh, for for around the new Negro yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. But I, I, it's interesting when I think about the. It's terrible because I'm fifty. I'm in my fifth. I'm fifty four, and so I grew up in a time when, um, yeah, I had my skin toughened a lot. <laughs> so so being, I got my skin toughened a lot, and I and I tell people that one of the things which is interesting to me is I also had a community of people who I got to talk to and I grew up knowing, you know, Monty Irvin came to speak to my little league team and Monty Irvin was one of the early people to play um, in Major League Baseball from the Negro Leagues. Monty, after Larry Doby, who lived in Montclair, Mr. Irvin was next. So I was telling him a story about something that happened to me, a racial incident as a kid. And then he told me a bunch of stories that happened when he crossed over and, and, and how harrowing it was for him. And this wasn't Jackie Robinson. And so I was like, wow, this is like crazy. So my job as a black person is to bring Mr. Irvin with me and to bring Althea Gibson with me mm. and bring, you know, yeah. Mr. Doby and let, you know, and like everybody with me and they give me power. They don't diminish me. Like my black community adds to me. And that's the thing. Yes. If you're bullied online and you got a community of people to hold you up, you ain't got to worry about nothing. You held up by a bunch of people. But yeah, it's exactly. hard, though. It's, yeah, whatever. That's a whole other sidebar. But I do think, but, but to go to the point about the protagonist-antagonist dialectic, we don't fight each other, usually. And we're usually not alone. We're usually together, and then we have to deal with systems and how systems work. But it's a, it's a, it's a journey. Number five, in black theater, the characters all have robust internal lives. And, and this is a big one to me, like, because I didn't feel a robust internal lives in a lot of things that I see. And complex existences that fully engage with family and history. Uh, I'll give one example of this, right? Like, I, uh, the show Insecure, I think, is very popular with the transcendent uh, striver class, right? I'm going to blend number five and number four. Um, there was a blackout showing of slave play. It didn't feel like a community, the way it was discussed, the way it was talked. What it felt like was a networking event of kind of strivers, as in it, it felt like a bunch of people who all wanted to be where Rihanna was, where Jesse Williams was, where Zendaya was, and who wanted to be Jeremy O'Harris. Like, it was a yeah. fantasy event. And, and what I felt, because no one was discussing the content of it. Everyone was saying it was great to be around 800 black creatives, and everyone kept taking great pains to tag um, Zendaya, Jeremy O'Harris, Jesse Williams in their praises online. And I'm like, what do you all think about the play? And no one was saying anything. And I was like, okay, you guys are all watching the celebrities. You're all dreaming like, hey, this guy, Jeremy O'Harris, was unknown last year. Maybe next year I can write a play and get to rub shoulders with Beyonce and Rihanna. And it's like it was just this weird kind of driver wish fulfillment type of thing. And I'm like, okay, there's not really a community here. There's just a bunch of black people who are fantasizing together about the guy behind the stage the the celebrities that are around and i'm like i feel like the celebrities when you look at stories of the old black community or whatever the celebrities are kind of part of the community i'm not saying people weren't starstruck but it was it was this thing like the way a harry belafonte or james baldwin interacted with the martin luther king or, or the way muhammad ali in, interacted with the malcolm x who interacted with someone else it seems very different in the way uh d-ray interacts with um beyonce you know whereas this kind of weird weird blend of hey i'm a i'm a celebrity who wants to be thought of as an activist and i'm an activist who wants to be thought of as a celebrity let's see if we can help give each other shine this is weird quid quo 
quid pro quo, uh, which I think is a very goes to the very white way, or Western way of thinking. Like, you know, it's not how black people have the sense of community in their systems. Like what you described, that baseball player who was willing to talk to you about something that can help you in your life is something that I think no, is... But I, but I always think it's weird. When you have a show, like a, a, a simple show like Sanford and Son, Red Fox in that show fought in a previous war. Like he's a garbage man. But he makes wink at or hint at the Korean conflict. Do you know what I'm saying? It looks like it's weird, because I think he was too old to have fought in Nam at the time, right? But it's weird to, yeah, to yeah. consider... I think it was Korean to War, consider, yeah. consider like a complex life. So you got these characters in the shows, and a lot of times you got black characters in film and TV, and you don't see their parents unless their parents are problems. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, a great show... A great show is Insecure. Insecure, you do not know anything about Issa Rae's character yeah. at all. Her parents don't show up. Her brother shows up once or twice. She's just basically a cipher. She's just, you know, this certain type of black person who's supposed to mirror the audience, you know, and how they view themselves. And that's it. I just think it's, I just think it's fascinating. And, and then, like I say, I, I grew up in a way in which the, the person who was outside of, you know, standard life or positive life, would occasionally give you some wisdom. You know, it's like, it's it's a bad Richard Pryor routine about the wino having knowledge, but it's it's the truth. Like these people who were in my world would be just passing me knowledge and I'd be like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that. And you don't well, have well, that well, in, these, in, in these contemporary non-Black well, ways. Yeah. Well, well, I, well, I heard a phrase that said, uh, there's not really elders in the Black community anymore. And now they're just old people. <laughs> like people just see... People just see mm. old people when they see somebody older, and and that's what I was trying to get at when I was saying uh, when Jeremy Harris was giving his speech about white people getting out of his way, and it's like you should have some elders who are kind of because some elders might tell you these white people I've been there, they're going to use you up and throw you away when you when they're done with you. That's that's a less that's a lesson an elder can give you. Yeah, and it, but I think it does it goes back to speaking if they say they're just old people that they it, it's a, a an admittance that they feel like these people can do nothing for them right this dude could have all the knowledge in the world but the fact that he's still sitting on 125th street giving knowledge and he's not in a boardroom giving knowledge basically says you can't change my material conditions man i i'm good with you you know and it's 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 exactly rihanna who's young and still navigating her way through the world can do more for me than a seasoned person who yeah you know but, uh, but yeah i just yeah. think i just think you have to start if you start to think about black life black life is always complicated i mean and, and i tell people all the time and i and i said this to somebody when uh vernon jordan Vernon Jordan attacked Barack Obama for running for off. And then somebody said to me, well, who's Vernon Jordan? I said, you don't know when Vernon Jordan was running the Urban League before he got shot? And then the person I was talking to said, I didn't know Vernon Jordan got shot. I was like, he had a transitional mm. moment. Like he had a life and death transitional moment where he was the president of the Urban League. And then Vernon said, no, I'm going to look out for Vernon. I ain't, I'm done with this. I'm going to look out for Vernon. Mm. Now, that's a personal thing. And this is not in any way defending Vernon Jordan and his, you know, non-embrasure of Barack Obama when he ran and all this other, whether or not you like Barack or not, but this is about black older people. My point being, mm -hmm. you got to know that these people know something. So when I see Issa Rae, I, I've, said this to, I've said this to a lot of people about stars, contemporary stars. I have been old enough to watch all of these. I remember when Irene Cara was be before Beyonce. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember watching all these people mm -hmm. who are so hot for a moment. And you're like, 
you need to talk to them people who were there before you to figure out how you can stay where you at because it's not going to last. Rihanna is today. But 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 all you see is that uh, that person ended up uh, broke and not famous. So if anything. I'm going to stay away from them because what they had might be catching. Like, like they blame it on them more yeah. than think that maybe there's a system and it's hard to be bigger than it that is, system. It is, I think that they think it is weird to think that you're smarter than, you know, somebody else. But I know, I mean, it's not even a, a truly profound space to be in. It's not even like I don't even have to go that far. Both of my parents have passed away, but I tell people all the time, they're so much smarter than me. They were so much smarter than me. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. you oh, yeah. know, the other thing, which, and this has to do with, this is not Issa Rae's character of Insecure, but I'm just saying this. So today, in the 21st century, I am a professor at a Research One university. My father's father could not read. My father's father could not read. And I, and I know that. It is nothing special. It's the truth. But he also gave me a bunch of stuff. And he gave my dad a bunch of stuff, primarily, which helped me build to who I am today. Which is, you know, like, I can't get away from it. And I can't act like my grandfather didn't know nothing. You, do you understand what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. my grandfather is or that, me. Or, or, or that you're better than or him. Or that I'm yeah, better than better him. Than them, yeah. oh, it's that, that's not even yeah. close to... Because if I'm telling you this, if my grandfather, the overused phrase, had been given the opportunities that I've been given, no, he'd be the president mm-hmm. of some university somewhere. I'm not kidding. I mean, it's not, it's not even close because... You can't, and, and the weird thing is, and this goes to that Negro artist in the Racial Mountain um, um, poem, I mean, essay that Hughes wrote. The challenge yeah. when the artist says, I want to be an artist and not a Negro artist, you taking all that mountain of power and stuff underneath you and you throwing it away. And that's, that's silly. That's yep. just silly. That's just, and that's when, if you're running around the party trying to be the celebrity today and you ain't thinking about all the celebrities before, you just being silly. You ain't thinking. I mean, it's embarrassing, but you got to think. And that's a t- that's a tough one because people are like I don't want to think. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that was a preview. If you like what you hear and you want to hear the rest of the episode and a hundred more episodes, then by all means go over to Patreon.com forward slash Champagne Sharks. Take care, y'all.